What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. And welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. I'm a little tired. I need some caffeine. I had one coffee this morning, but I think, I think slowly but surely, I am becoming addicted to coffee. And you know, that's okay. I think that's what every adult does at some point in their life when they say, hey, I really like this black stuff. And now I'm even finding myself like becoming sort of a coffee snob in regards to like, oh, this tastes different than this, but whatever. That's what happens. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, I was distracted. The guest this week is Ben Sharp from Cloudkicker. More on him in a minute. Let me get a ton of business stuff out of the way, and then we can uh, we can hang out and talk. Propertyofzack.com. They are our media partners, and uh, they're great. You should visit the site. They've got a lot of awesome editorial stuff on music, a lot of in-depth stuff. It's definitely not just like, hey, here's this interview that will ask the top 10 questions that everybody asks. They definitely take their time to craft and edit. They really do a good job of editing. And it sounds stupid, but you want to make sure that what you're putting out there is obviously grammatically correct. They're not like a million run-on sentences in reviews. And so, yeah, they take their time. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you, they are quality 
we endorse them and you should too. Visit Property of Zach. Uh, go to the show's website, 100wordspodcast.com. You can find all of the stuff that I find interesting on a weekly basis. I try to post at least one or two things a day, uh, whether it's like album streams, whether it's like movies that are coming out, whatever, pop culture shit. Check it out. You'll probably like at least 70% of the stuff I post, I think, maybe. And then uh, also review the show. The United States has been lacking on reviews as of late, and that disappoints me. There's been a lot of Canadian support. There's been some Australian support. You U.S. people, I know there's a decent amount of you, so jump in, write some sentences about the show, drop some stars. So yeah, just open up your iTunes store. And, And the reason I mention it almost every show, for those of you that listen to it, is that the more those shows, or the more this show gets positive ratings, the higher and cooler it is as far as the iTunes universe is concerned, which is basically what will eventually help the show as far as like maybe, just maybe getting some advertisers on board. That is a perfect segue for what you heard at the beginning. The podcast network, howweare.org. Visit that site and basically I've put together some awesome shows, some awesome podcasts that are of a like mind. You know, we have similar content, we're all kind of related to music but uh, all have their own unique vibes. So it's like you have Matt Pryor, formerly of the Get Up Kids. He does an interview-based show, brings on some of his friends, talks about some stuff. Very sort of songwriter, music business-centric, which is awesome. And then uh, you have the Stuff You Will Hate podcast, which he, uh, Sergeant D, runs and was a previous guest on this show. And uh, yeah, just great stuff going on there. Usually really funny, self-deprecating, very unique takes on whatever scene they were a part of. And then Let's Talk About Feelings, hosted by Matt and Natalie. It's a very fun, lighthearted show that, uh, you know, talks about, as cheesy as it is, feelings. And then they also have some guests on. They also talk about music. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you, check out all these shows, check out the network, and then that way, uh, we're all in this together. That's basically what I'm trying to tell you. All this podcast stuff. No one should be competing. Everybody should be, uh, you know, supporting what they like. So, there you go. And uh, one last thing. This is removing, okay, business shit aside now. I've encountered a few people out in the wild, like at shows or whatever, that I've talked to about the podcast where it's they, you know, have either just randomly gone up to me and are like, hey, you're Ray, you do that podcast. Or in conversation with friends, they're like, oh, I checked out that recent show. The feeling that I get when that happens is awesome because basically, even though it's just me and one other person talking into a microphone and I put it out on the internet for people to enjoy, it makes me feel less alone. And that I know that sounds very dramatic and like I'm, I'm in a corner of a room with my computer by myself, and that's it. But me being an only child, uh, there's always this desire to connect. I always have this this feeling that I need to plug myself into certain people's lives and become invested and you know care. Uh, obviously, there's only a certain amount of time during the day that you're able to do that. But this show and having this feedback from all of you that have taken the time to write it's amazing. And it does make me feel less alone. So it's like when I get an email from a person up in Canada, that's like, hey, I checked this show out. Here are the shows that I enjoyed. You look like you were desiring some feedback. So here it is. And that's amazing. I love how I love opening up that discourse. And for those of you that write on a semi regular basis, I really appreciate that as well. So if you would like to correspond with the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com. And uh, usually I'm pretty quick. I try to talk to people on a, uh, you know, I don't let it sit there for like three months and then you'll eventually hear from me. So anyways, let's talk about Ben Sharp. 
Cloud Kicker, it's basically his his band, his project, uh, where he creates all the music, guitars, drums, all that stuff. And I remember when I first heard it, like, I won't say as cliche as it sounds, but it just, my head could not wrap around the fact that this is one person kind of putting everything together. It's just so technical. It's so layered. There's so much going on that I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. Then I come to find out that I do know him through a friend of a friend. Ever since I got exposed to him, I've just devoured his catalog. He's a very large proponent of just giving his music away for free. He doesn't do this as his full-time thing. This is basically just an artistic endeavor that he has taken on. He's just a really interesting guy. A lot of different facets of his life are compelling. So he doesn't typically do these really, really long interviews. Usually it's kind of, you know, 15, 20 minute things. And people usually talk to him about, hey, what equipment do you use? I'm just not interested. I don't care. I don't care who creates his music. It's fucking awesome. That's all that I know. So we kind of get to know Ben a little bit more than, like I said, your typical interview. And for those of you that have never heard of Cloud Kicker, that doesn't matter. This interview is compelling even not listening to the music, but once you do listen to the music, you'll become that much more invested. So anyways, a long-winded way of introducing Ben. But here he is. Let's talk afterwards. Um, okay. And so it was, I want to say it was around 2010. It was a few years after you'd been kind of, you know, putting Cloud Kicker out there from a musical perspective and kind of this, you know, this, the entity that you were. Me as a music listener and a lover of like independent music in general, you feel like when you find something that's this like treasure trove of like, holy shit, there's all this music already out there and you don't need to mm-hmm. like wait for like seven more full lengths. Uh, yeah. It was so exciting. And so it's like, that's when I, I, you know, within like a two week period, I was just, you know, immersed in your catalog and was like, oh my God. And then once I started to kind of put pieces together, it was like, oh, this dude is from my area. And I'm fairly certain we've been at a lot of the same shows together. And that's obviously what prompted me to reach out to you in the first place. Is it fun for you to like kind of trace the people that get into you? Like if you, you know, if a person gets into you like last week, uh, versus a person that's obviously listened to your music for a long time. Is it fun for you to get that like frantic email of like, dude, this is the most amazing thing ever. I can't believe I found your shit. Like, this is so cool. Like, do you still get those or is it, is it kind of calmed down to where people are kind of following you along as you go? Yeah, I still get that. And I get that people think, some people think that I have this flood of nonstop emails. I think <laughs> I get like a handful of emails a week, but they're always very thoughtful. So that's about, it's a good number for me right now because I can actually sit down and, and read them and respond to what the people are saying. Mm-hmm. To address what you're saying, yeah, of course it's fun. I don't differentiate between someone who, you know, hey, I just found out about you today versus, right. I, you know, I've been listening since 2005 and I just decided to write you an email. It's all the same to me, really. Oh, no, totally. I just, the like I said, the the enthusiasm of when a person trips across you because it's usually that, like I said, that sort of immediate... Oh my God, you know, as opposed to the traditional way that music is promoted and bands are promoted where it's like, you know, once you kind of have this entry point, you know, they'll have like a full length to check out. They'll have an EP because you'll find out about them within the first year of their existence, hopefully, if the band is doing enough on their own. Whereas you obviously have uh, have the total hand to hand people telling each other 
about yeah. what you're doing. And so when they do trip across you, like I said, it's this massive body of work that's like, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And there are the, the people who have been around, but I, I'm just looking at from the perspective of the person that we're imagining right now, that would be kind of cool. To, I mean, at this point, what is, there's like three, three and a half full lengths. And I think there's something like two hours of music that you can listen to mm-hmm. just and, and just download all of it from Bandcamp. And that's got to be kind of fulfilling. I don't know. I don't but, know what I mean. Because you have so much to chew through. Like, that's what's exciting. And like, I mean, I can honestly, I can equate it to like people that trip on the podcast where it's like, yeah, they, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, I found out about you through this interview you did with this band. But Jesus, you've talked to like, you know, 40 of my other favorite bands. And so it's like, it, it always is exciting to have that, you know, that sort of like, hey, welcome into the family. Thanks for joining up on the journey. But I will say, though, that the people who have been listening for a while and then, you know, like I've been listening to you for seven years and now I'm taking the time to write you, they seem to have the more, I don't want to say well thought out emails. There's always something like very substantive when someone finally decides to do something like that. And those are usually the people I think say, like, you've helped me. You know, I don't want to say that's any, any better than someone who's just enthusiastic about what you do. But, you know, it doesn't make you feel like what you're doing, that you should continue to do what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I I, th- I think the differentiation between those two is the fact that this person has forged a deep relationship with you. So if they haven't communicated with you before, they have all of this, you know, like we were talking about, this body of work to kind of pull from and then to, you know, have it seep into their lives in ways that, you know, they probably didn't imagine when they first came across your music. So it's like they have this, like you said, a sort of deep, thoughtful reflection on how that places in their life. And then finally, if they have something monumental to share with you, it's going to be this like, here's five years worth of of stuff compiled in this email. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you yourself, were you you born and raised in California? I was. Where in particular? Uh, I grew up in a affluent suburb called Rancho Palos Verdes. I know you might be familiar, but for those that aren't, if you go to L.A., downtown L.A. is nowhere near the beach, contrary to what a lot of people think. Uh, but I grew up in an area that's probably about a 45-minute drive from uh, downtown Los Angeles. It's like a total enclave. Like I had the uh, the kid that played drums in Taken, his grandparents lived in that city, and visiting there was like, I mean, that's a hall. You have to, first of all, know where to go. <laughs> it's not something you could just be like, Oh, we're driving by Rancho Palos Verdes. It's like, no, you got to go no. there. No, uh, in fact, like when I go and visit my parents, stay at their house. Uh, I'm always reminded of how much driving I did when I lived there because <laughs> it, you're right. Like you don't just drive; you don't drive by. Like it's a it's a 15 to 20 minute drive just to get to the freeway <laughs> yeah. to get to, you know to start driving to where you want to drive. Yeah, totally. Like, what was your family structure like? Do you? I mean, mother and father, obviously, and then like brothers and sisters. Are you an only child. Uh, yeah, mom and dad, I have one younger brother. Okay. He's, I mean, he's a, uh, two years younger than I am. Okay. Four, four of us. Got it. What do your parents do for a living? Either what did they do as you were getting raised and what they, what did they kind of transition into? Uh, well, they're both retired now. And of the people that I went to school with, I was sort of unique in the fact that my parents didn't grow up in Southern California. My dad was born in New Jersey mm-hmm. and my mom uh, was raised in Nashville. They met in Memphis, and then moved to uh, Southern California in 1983, I believe. Okay. So my mom worked, I'll say she worked in finance, okay. I hope, and my dad worked in education. He, he worked at University of Southern California. My mom 
sports downtown and office building. They both retired in, I think it was 2005. They came out to Southern California, obviously, to be like, okay, this is where we're going to be. We're going to raise our family here, that sort of thing. Uh, well, they came out because my mom got a job out here. Like you, like you mentioned, the you know area in which you grew up in is obviously you know affluent, and it was a uh, you know a uh, it was a nice suburban. Li- well, I mean, I, I don't even know if I'd call that a suburb. It was just a very nice city, I guess, in a way, a little enclave. Sure. What kind of kid were you? Did you were you an indoor kid playing video games? Were you uh, playing sports? What did you uh, What did you kind of find yourself doing? We were always a baseball family, so I played t-ball from four until uh, the middle of high school. I forget which year. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope you weren't playing t-ball in high school. Yeah, I was totally dominated. <laughs> you were like, yo, wh- <laughs> yo, why are you guys, why are you guys pitching at me? I'm just using it off a tee. I remember my childhood being very outdoorsy, mm-hmm. not like hiking and everything, but just I was outside a lot of the time. I never really got into video games. Like, I'm still, I'm still pretty good at like Nintendo 64 games. I can hold my own at GoldenEye or mm-hmm. uh, Donkey Kong Racing, but. Pretty much anything after that, I'm utterly clueless about. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> I'm not, I've never been enamored in that world. Right, right. And so it's that, it sounds like for all intent and purposes, your uh, your upbringing was pretty, you know, idyllic. Like you, you guys had, everybody kind of had a good relationship with one another. Your mother and father obviously still married. There wasn't any strife from that perspective. I mean, I was a total pain in the ass as a kid. Really? Yeah. Even even knowing you now, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have immediately pegged you into that. What were, what, were you no. do- what were you doing that was a pain in the ass? Well, the way that my parents say it is that I was incredibly independent. That's a really nice way of saying that I never did anything they told me to do. Right. Or I yeah. always put up a fight about it. I mean, the reason that, that I'm not like that, I mean, I am like that now, but it's just that no one bugs me about anything because I do all the stuff that I'm supposed to do. So no one, uh, <laughs> I don't hear about it from anybody because I do the things I'm supposed to do and then I get to do whatever I want. And you're an adult. Yeah, I'm an, I'm a, and I'm an adult and it's great. <laughs> to be in this situation. I, th- I feel like I was always the way I am now, but no one would leave me alone when I was a kid. So I, I just totally resented that. Mm-hmm. And I had the terrible realization in high school that maybe the people that are in charge aren't really as smart as I've always thought they were. And oh. it's a horrible, horrible thing to think when you're in high school because then it just, it was over at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, why do I have to do what you want me to do? Right, right. It's basically like, yo, you're not on this level because you've like earned it. It's like, you know, yeah, you, you like you've worked hard to get where you're at, but like I think we're on the same playing field. It, you know, looking back, of course, you should just to make it easy for yourself, you should respect people that are in charge of the situation in high school. But mm-hmm. that's not, you know, when you're in that world from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. where you are, it's tough to see beyond that. Sure. And that's where I was. I think if you put me back in high school, you know, kids are just insane in high school because they have like an adult's capacity to understand that they're hurting someone, but only a child's capacity to appreciate like what that actually means. Right. So the kids are just brutal in high school. Like if you put me back into that crazy situation, I don't know that I would be fundamentally different than, than what I was when I was going through it the first time. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Well, because what you don't have in high school is, you know, perspective. Like the idea of like, oh, this is what as cliched as the saying is like, you know, with age comes wisdom. It's like you don't have that. You're in the moment reacting to everything that's hitting you. Yeah, there's so much hitting you. High school's brutal. I've never identified with people that think that like that was the best part of their lives. I mean, it's funny you say that because while I personally enjoyed my high school experience, the idea that like my life is, you know, kind of utterly over after my senior year of high school, like those are the golden years. 
Um, you know, that, that's, that's the feeling that I, I don't identify with where it's like, Oh, like really? Like that's the best. It's like, you may have developed some cool stuff then like playing in bands and music or whatever, but that shouldn't be the end of it. (laughs) Well, and you know, whenever people look back on their lives, they always ignore the bad parts and they focus on, on the good parts. Yep. Everyone does that. It's understandable, but it seems like maybe if that's how you feel, there's some kind of imbalance that you should address. Sure. Change what you're doing now. No. That'd be my advice. Right, exactly. Which is good advice. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. So was high school like a terrible experience for you? Did you just kind of like try to, you know, keep your head down and keep on your own? Or um, you was it one of those things that, you know, you had your kind of core group of friends? Yeah, I don't want to take the picture that high school was this horrendous. I thought the, the academics were a total waste of my time. I, I think I still feel that way a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I could have just gone, I could have bypassed high school, been roughly the same person I am now. But you don't know that. 
Right. Uh, yeah, I, I had my core group of friends. I didn't really have a core group of friends until like late sophomore year. So mm-hmm. freshman year was a little rough. So it was, once I kind of got established in that, and then junior and senior year, my brother, you know, we were at the same high school for, for those two years. And I we've always kind of shared a group of friends because I was always kind of the youngest one. Having an August birthday, I was always the youngest one in all my grades. So I was generally hanging out with people a grade lower than me. It, it always seemed that way. Mm-hmm. My brother being just a year younger than that, we kind of shared a group of friends. So the junior and senior were really fun uh, from a social standpoint. I don't even remember anything about the academics, to be honest. I just remember that I got kicked out of classes a bunch of times. and My dad was on a first-name basis with my uh, junior year algebra teacher because of how, how many times she had to call him. You strike me as a person who was just, uh, uh, you know, like a smart aleck, was a person who was just, you know, totally... Oh, yeah. Yeah, always had to have the last word. Whenever there was an opportunity to just disrupt things, I just took advantage of it. That's amazing. He's a, a terrible kid to have in class. You do not want Ben in your class. He will just, he'll just dick around, look for a reaction, yeah. and just totally ruin yeah. the flow. <laughs> However, though, there were teachers that, for whatever reason, and I think it was just their dear good people. Maybe I was just intimidated by it. But there were teachers that uh, I, I never, I never did anything in their classes. I just sat, sat there and did my mediocre work. So it, it wasn't like I was terror for everyone across the board. It was just teachers who uh, sensed the weakness, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, teachers that I that I I saw a crack in their armor that I could dig into. <laughs> yeah, teachers that were emotionally vulnerable. I just sunk my teeth into. Uh, it was, it's, I I mean, I wasn't the kid you wanted in the class. It's, it's I mean, you're that that sort of archetype of of a kid like that exists in high school. And that's you know that it happens. Yeah. It's totally totally reasonable. Like a, as you were being this kind of you know little uh, you know this this difficult child in high school, were your parents bummed at the way you're reacting, or were they just like, oh, we'll just we'll just try to keep Ben contained, like try to try to keep him out of too much trouble? I don't know how much they. My mom said it a good way when she said that we didn't know at that time whether he was going to end up in prison or on the cover of Time magazine. <laughs> oh, that is that is a perfect description. That's good. Yeah. I just kind of exhausted them of all their good ideas and, you know, all their good creative ideas on how to, how to raise, you know, deal with this child that's so independent. Right, right. And right. I think it, I think it might have been just incredibly like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's try that. And then I react even more terribly than the idea before. I think it, it might have just been discouraging and like, well, let's just make sure that he keeps all his limbs stable in prison. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, Which even... Even to that end, how much could they really do? <laughs> totally. Yeah, they're like, we'll just yeah. we'll just guide him. We'll make sure that he doesn't yeah. have any firearms and or weapons. <laughs> sure. You'd, you'd need them for the full perspective on that. I can only yeah, speculate. Yeah. Totally. I, I, assume, I assume that it's something around what I'm saying. As you got older, you can understand, you know, how you were back then a little bit clearer than, you know, obviously when you were living it. Obviously, like you said, you didn't care about academics, but like what was, you know, what started to become important to you in high school? Like was was that when music started to become more of a, uh, you know, a, a revelation to you? Like how did you how did independent music show itself to you? I mean, don't throw the word independent in there until I get a little more uh, mature in my I mean, up until. <laughs> that's that's it, fine. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, because when I was a freshman in high school, I was listening to Blink-22 and Limp Biscuit. It took uh, a, a friend of mine introducing me to better music that totally opened my eyes. I mean, I had been playing guitar since I was in fifth grade because I wanted to be exactly like uh, Green Day. So, oh, yeah. That's, that's gr- yeah, that's great. Ni- 
1995 when I learned how to play guitar, so that's just... Dude, one, yeah. year, one year after Dookie came out. I get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You get it. So I had been doing that consistently. I mean, when I, as soon as I started playing guitar, I was like, yes, right, this is what I need to be doing. And mm-hmm. so I did that. You know, you go through the... the, the you, you do that little plateau where, you know, I was like 11. I thought I was the best guitar player in the world. And then later I realized, oh, wait, I'm not that good. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then you start really, you know, you hit all these plateaus where you think, yes, no, I'm awesome. And then something happens. Like, oh, no, I'm not. So I should keep getting better. So that was progressing normally up until high school. And when did kind of, you know, that sort of, you know, the underbelly of like, oh, this is, wow, this is different, get exposed to you? Well, I mean, I remember getting excited about music. Obviously, listening to Juki was like, oh, music is great. And like Juki and uh, Siamese Dream and mm-hmm. uh, the, the Blue Album were all like kind of what, what lit the fire. And I was like obsessed with Green Day. I had an entire CD wallet that was just Green Day. So I was a little, uh, what's the word for it? I was a little... Um, obsessed? No, obsessed, of course. But okay. I was a little myop- myopic in my musical taste for a while. Sure. And I, I really started to branch out when a friend of mine introduced me to uh, AFI sophomore year of high school. Okay. That was my turning point. Oh, that's great. And I got I went through their whole catalog. Then I started going to shows. One of the first shows I went to was in October of 2001 at what was the Palace of Hollywood. It was AFI and Thrice opened for them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this band's really good. So I checked them out. You know, it just kind of branches out from there. I was then with a lot more musically diverse people because the the friend that introduced me to AFI uh, was a kind of a transplant from a different area of LA. So when I started hanging out with him, he introduced me to all his friends who all had very, in my opinion at that time, very eclectic music taste. And then I just, from that point, that's when I really started just going down and, and, and branching out and getting into, uh, you know, what was at that time independent music. Oh yeah, no, for sure. That's yeah. You're gonna have those little touchstones of like, oh, this is this is when I started to dive deeper. Um, yeah. so, did you did you have that sense that you wanted to like put together a band and like be that person? Oh yeah, of course. The first band I was in was when I was 15. Please tell me the name of it. It has to be something terrible. I hope it is, and it's a hilarious story. Uh, and it all kind of came full circle. It's the band that I was in. We decided that the most awesome name would be Absent Light. Now, don't say anything. So our band was Absent Light. Okay. And looking looking back on it, like, years and years after that, I was like, oh, man, that is such a typical, like, terrible name that you would come up with. So, yeah, it's just a synonym for the word darkness. It's lame. They, I, I left and went on to the other stuff, and they kind of continued. Whatever. They renamed the band. Who cares? Right. Um, and then, like, two weeks ago, I'm on the Internet, and I see that the newest Misery Signals album is called Absent Light. And I was like, this is, this is too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. That I can't believe that this is real. Right. <laughs> that this that this popped itself up again, and this name still is is is, is quote unquote relevant. These words together. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. I, oh man, I I laughed so hard when I when I saw that because I was just on Bandcamp going through. I was like, "What is an absent light? It can't be uh, misery signal. <laughs> that's the name of the misery signals album. Like I like I liked misery signals. <laughs> yeah, yeah." 
It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, Absent Light is not that bad of a band name, like, for your first band. Like, that's, I mean, that's that's what it should be when you're, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old. That was okay. I, I've heard worse, but that's, that's you started to play in bands and, like, that started to become part of your world. Was it Was it one of those things, too, that once you started to experience that, that you were like, I just want to focus solely on music or were there other things that kind of, you know, started to pique their interest as you started to transition out of high school and like, oh, what do we, what do I do next? Might as well just get into this because it'll make, it'll make everything make more sense. But um, mm-hmm. so I had music going on since I was 10. When I was 13, my parents, as my graduation from eighth grade present, which is very nice of them because eighth grade graduation is meaningless. When I graduated from eighth grade, eighth grade, my present was a introductory uh, flight lesson at a local airport. You know, 13 years old, flying around this airplane for half an hour, you go up. So that kicked off this other part of my world that continued through high school. And and, and that was another reason why I, I felt like high school didn't matter, because I had all these interests that weren't being addressed. You told, you hit on such an important point because there are certain people that obviously get a lot of uh, out of school and high school and that, you know, the academic experience. But it's like, you know, when you get kind of pulled into worlds that exist outside of this curriculum you're learning, your head is cracked open in ways that you're just like, dude, why am I fucking pinned down to this desk? Can't you let me yeah. go? No, exactly. Because it would be like I would go to high school. I would endure high school for the day until like 2.45 or whatever it was. And then I'd drive down, or my parents would drive me down to the airport, and I'd take my flight lesson. And that was just, you know, i go for two hours. And that two hours was so much more valuable to me than anything I did, you know, the previous eight or whatever when I was at high school. And I'd come home, and I'd play guitar, and, you know, write whatever songs for the bands I was in. And it, and it was so rewarding. And then I had to go to sleep and go back to high school the next day. <laughs> And, you know, you have all these people saying, well, these are the important things. you got to know your state capitals, because otherwise, how are you ever going to live in society? You know, if you don't know the capital of North Dakota, when I had these interests, it just highlighted to me, like, well, I don't really think that what you're telling me is true. So what other things are you, you know, embellishing? Yeah. Like, why do I have to know this stuff? It's not helping me in the things that I feel like are going to propel me forward into my, into my life. Sure, sure. That experience is, is definitely, you know, I think very indicative of obviously why, you know, kids get into independent music and it's like these just these strains that they follow that's the first time that you kind of start to feel like you have control over your life because you're making these decisions solely on your own like this isn't Mm -hmm. this isn't set forth you know by my parents obviously you know in your case or obviously them getting you know a flight lesson like that's you know they, they put it in motion but then you know the world opened up from your perspective those experiences like you you honestly feel bad for kids that don't have that experience until like they're like 30 where it's like oh wow i want to do this and it's like well or never yeah totally uh, and, and you know you brought up obviously 13 years old i did not i was not paying for my own you know, flight lesson right, right. Uh, so to kind of go back to like how did your parents handle it i think this was a way that they all the terrible stuff that i did in high school and all the ways that they punished me they never touched the flight lesson because they knew that that was something that was kind of holding me together mm-hmm. at that point. Going back to that, that's a way that they tried to direct me. Yeah, no, that's I, I think that's really important. I mean, for me, it was golf, where it was like that's that was the thing that I dove into that was like so singularly encompassing of my life before music started to reveal itself. So you do feel good when you can like dive into something like that. That is just you know, it kind of opens your world up. And it's a whole different world. I mean, it's a it's an entire other existence that's overlaid on top of what you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and and the same thing is true with music. So it's, there's a comparison there also, where you know there's so much to know, 
and so much that you could get into that you can spend as much or as little time as you want, and it's it's as fulfilling as you want it to be. Yeah, you get you get out of it what you put into it, and that's like why yeah. you know that's why it's like a life devoted to something that's like as ever evolving as like music. You and I could probably both agree that it's like that's not a life that's obviously wasted. <laughs> <laughs> into something like a pursuit of the arts because it's always going to be changing. It's always going to be moving. Sure. I mean, I, I, I think saying that it's not a wasted life is making a value judgment. But true. I, I will say that, uh, you know, I'm sure that you could devote your life to music and still feel like, like on your deathbed like you wasted your life. But for you and I, no, it's, it, it hasn't, it has been an entirely positive thing. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, no, and I think like to that point, you know, because obviously a lot of people speak to you. Um, you know, some of the most common questions that get thrown in your direction where it's just like, dude, why doesn't Cloud Kicker be a band? Like, why don't you play shows and stuff? And it's like that, you know, the marriage of art and commerce is obviously such a divisive topic for a lot of people that feel like, oh, the minute you start to make money and transition into uh, your art being your job, that's when your art becomes not vital. And like you've always made such a, you know, you've always made a concerted effort and have expressed yourself, in my opinion, very eloquently. I'm like, yeah, I don't ever want to turn this into something because then it'll feel like work and I won't enjoy it. And I probably won't be as prolific as I am. The thing that struck me, too, is the fact that people ultimately respect that. You know, have you have you felt that sort of feedback from people being like, hey, I respect, you know, your ultimate vision in why you're creating music. Do you still see so many people hitting you up being like, hey, let's do this great, great business strategy together? I get very little of that, actually. And the great thing about what I have, and I don't just the great thing about what I have, not to get any 
deeper into why I have what I have, but is that people seem like, like I don't have to really defend myself anymore because people seem to do it on my behalf. The places that I've seen just out on the internet, every time I see a, uh, a negative reaction to something, there's at least three or four people are like, well, no, you know, you just don't understand, you know, who are just rushing to defend me. And the same is true with the idea of why would he not want to turn this into, you know, into his career or whatever they want me to do with it, a tour and do the thing that typical bands do. There's always people that jump in and say, interpret how they think I feel and then tell them and they defend me. So it's like, it's almost like I don't have to deal with it. That's true, because, you know, you're kind of, especially because you've obviously been active for a while under this moniker, anybody that does five seconds worth of research realizes, like, your, you know, your motivations behind it, and it's like they're able to, you know, squash all anticipation before that, so it's not like the the idea of, like, some, you know, A&R person at a record label being like, hey, dude, let's let's work this out, like, that's already been kind of, you know, squashed a few years ago. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, every once in a while I'll get someone, like I just got an email from someone saying, hey, uh, let us distribute your vinyl. And it's just like, well, why? I'm shipping worldwide now. I don't get complaints from people about it being inconvenient. Mm. Every time someone sends me an email with an idea, I consider it. But at the end of considering it, I, I say, well, I don't really see how I benefit from it. It seems like your your instinctual reaction, and not, not like this is a bad reaction. I'm not you know uh, trying to infer that. But an opportunity comes across your table and it's just like, oh, I don't know about that. And then, you know, you'll obviously be thoughtful about it and then ultimately land on where you're at. I think it's good that you react that way where it's like, oh, business opportunity. Like, I don't know about that. That's not why I'm doing this in the first place. (laughs) Well, of course, whenever whenever someone approaches you with something like that, it's because they feel like they can get something out of it. Sure. They say, I want to help you and everything. But I don't. I, I wouldn't say that my default position is that I'm outright dismissive. But my default position is that things are amazing for me right now in the, in regards to music mm-hmm. uh, it, and the situation that I have. Um, the you know the luxury that I'm afforded and just how everything works. It works so well. And someone's gonna have to come up if I evaluate whatever the person says and I feel like it can improve my position and improve the way this whole operation works. I'll do it, but I, I just don't see... It, it's like I'm in that area of marginalized returns or something, where okay. you know, the, as you increase the effort that you put into something, the, the reward you get back from it... Oh, sure. Oh, di- yeah, diminishing returns. That's there. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so you, you're going to have to come up with something that would really be a game-changer at this point, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, the same way that Bandcamp was a game-changer versus MySpace. I mean, that was a no-brainer. The same way that... The decision to switch to a third-party shipper was a no-brainer for me because there was so much of my time and effort being put into shipping and packaging and driving the post office and everything that it was actually starting to take away from time I had to spend on the music itself and to you know answer emails. You know, decisions that I made like those they helped me either be more creative or have more time you know to interact with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is ultimately why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. Absolutely. You start. You start to graduate high school, and you start to obviously look at the opportunities. Like, did you go to? Did you go to college? Like, did you get a degree? Well, I had a two point seven eight in high school. I don't think I applied to any colleges, mm-hmm. but I ended up going to Long Beach City College for about two and a half years. No, I didn't get my AA from there. I just took a bunch of courses. I got into Cal State Long Beach in their philosophy department, but I didn't end up going. I went to another small. It's actually an a aviation-centered college based in 
Florida that has a campus in a very small campus in Long Beach, and that's where I actually graduated from. What was your actual degree as you finished? It just it was like an umbrella aeronautical degree with a minor in uh, management. But oh, okay. I don't I don't remember anything from it. It was, right, right. It, was just, <laughs> it was a general degree, right, right, right. The whole point is that I have a degree so that people know that I can stick with things. Right, exactly. You get a piece of paper to know that you have some some stick to itiveness. Yeah. Uh, obviously, as most people that you know do any sort of research on you, you know, Cloud Kicker was a thing in regards to you know a, a one sort of you know live musical <laughs> show. Is basically once you moved out of Southern California, is that when you started to you know be able to kind of focus more on just obviously you creating this music? Well, you know, it was always me. Right. Um, it just it was fun because when I lived in Southern California uh, and I had access to all, all of my friends played instruments, so I said, "Hey, let's all you want to play this stuff that I made." We played a show at like Chain Reaction once, and then played uh, a couple house shows. Uh, so I, we probably played like five five or six shows total. You know, from late 2006 until, you know, I moved away in November of 2007. It's mm-hmm. not like that's all I was doing. Moving away, obviously, only going to be something that I was writing music for, which is what I was doing to begin with. Uh, but now there just wasn't a band. <laughs> right, right, right. You couldn't, you, you didn't have anybody to plug and play into the scenario that you were existing in. Correct. Because you moved directly to like the Columbus, Ohio area, correct? Yes. That in and of itself is a terrifying proposition because it's a total culture difference and shock unless you know from your perspective like a professional opportunity opens up to where you move out there did you ever question that where it's like oh man i don't know if i'm gonna like columbus i don't know if that's if that's gonna exist in my life for a long time uh no in fact i just wanted out of la kind of was fed up with la in general i didn't care that the weather was nice and i didn't like that i had to be in my car as much as i was deal with traffic just i'd grown up there and i i was tired of it because I was 22 and I wanted to do something different. And, you know, I never went away for college. So I, moving out of home to pursue my career was my going away from home experience. But before I moved to Columbus, I, I didn't even know where it was on a map. Moved there and picked a place to live. Surprising. Well, I don't even know if it is surprising, but I really like Columbus. I feel more myself in Columbus now than I did at any point when I lived in L.A. Nice. So it's like you, you felt like you landed on home, even though that wasn't the, the uh, proper definition of the term from a I was born and raised here. Sure. I mean, I feel like it's home now. Yeah, I, I really do. The, the band never, you know, toured and you didn't experience that whole, you know, that whole cycle. It, it strikes me that you probably wouldn't even enjoy touring in the first place. You probably would have hated that experience. I mean, I never toured properly. No, I never right. liked it. I never drove. I was never on the road for like a month or whatever. But I did, like, I was in a couple bands and we would play. Like, I remember once I played with a band who played in Tucson, then we went to Phoenix, then we went to like Riverside, and then San Francisco, and maybe like Reno. Oh, sure. A little mini tour. Yeah, yeah. And even that, not. <laughs> yeah. I just never aspired to do that. You weren't you were like, God, I can't wait to spend nine months out of the year on tour playing music. Like, it just didn't appeal. Well, you know, I always had the, this other... I never, I never thought, except for a time when I was 16 and I was out of my mind, I never, I never really thought that music was going to be how I made my living. Mm-hmm. I, I always just kind of approached it from, the, from being just a fun thing that I did. I never thought I had to consider uh, touring as like a reality that I would be living. I'm I'm a little different in that regard. I think that most people who I was in bands with, where you know they really wanted to have a go at it. You know, I I was in bands with pretty passionate people, and they really wanted to have a go at making music, what how they exist really. And I was never that. 
So uh, I didn't share any of the same aspirations. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, I, I, you know, in, in what you're saying as far as the reflection on the people that you were surrounded with, because like my own personal experience, like because I, I definitely I never had any illusions of like making music a living. I wasn't like this is going to be my end all. Like you said, your your ultimate career. Um, but it was like you, you toured, you did these things because it was kind of like the next sort of incremental step where you're just like, oh, oh yeah, you know, yeah, you record a demo. Okay, yeah, next step, you, you record an EP or 7-inch, and oh, yeah, next thing you do is this. And it's like, yeah, it's just kind of a step-by-step process rather than like this huge, grandiose vision of like, okay, here's where I'm going to end up in Madison Square Garden, you know? And it, I mean, it seems like since you've gone a different path, but each thing that you've done has been kind of that sort of incremental next step where it's like, oh, I'm going to do this because this is kind of what, you know, feels right as the next step. Yeah. And it's just cool because you've done it, you know, on your own terms. And knowing the kind of, you know, random opportunities that, you know, like we we spoke about a little bit earlier, um, what's been the kind of e- either, well, one of two things, what's been the most, like, I guess, entertaining in regards to the one that's like kind of come out of left field that you're like, okay, I'm not pursuing this. And you don't have to be specific as far as like, oh, this record label approached me and it sounded ridiculous. But um, so, yeah, that, that's sort of like whether it is a business opportunity or whether it's like this, you know this company that you had no idea that you could ever potentially work with or whatever. Um, what's been the funniest thing that's kind of come across your desk from that perspective? I don't know if it's, it's really what you're getting at, but the, the most, uh, the email that I've gotten, you know, where I actually sat and I was like, well, maybe I could do this and it would be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy from Germany emailed me and said, Hey, I'm putting on this festival and uh, we really want you to play. I know you don't have a band. But what we could do is just have a band here, and then you fly in and just play with them and then leave. Oh. And I was like, oh, that actually might be pretty fun. Like right. That, that I could totally see doing that, just go over to Germany for a weekend, play some songs, rehearse once, and that actually might be fun. Uh, but I obviously didn't do that. Right. But that was like the closest I got to like taking someone up on like their crazy outlandish idea. A person hit on a certain string in there, you know, in your heart to be like, "Hey, would you like to travel to this awesome place?" Uh, you yeah. could, you could literally just show up, and it's like, "Well, maybe that sounds yeah. cool." <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, kind of on the flip side, the sort of the most, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, like inspirational in regards to like whether it was a person that you specifically like looked up to from a a, a musical perspective. Um, or just like respected that you knew was, a, 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 you know, a fan of what it was that you were creating. Um, cause I, I know that certain things have kind of popped into your life from that, uh, that respect. It's incredibly odd, not odd in a negative way, just odd for me as a person that, uh, you know, like people like you and, um, uh, Riley Breckenridge from, from Thrice. Uh, and I know I've seen the guy, I've gotten emails from the, the drummer of, uh, Lamb of God. And I've seen him, people sent me videos where he's wearing, like, my shirt <laughs> in just in some video. Right. Uh, like, things like that, it, that all, and I don't remember, I don't have all of them cataloged, but things like that where people, like I said, the first show I ever went to was Thrice and AFI in 2001. And then, you know, in October of 2010, I'm sitting in Thrice's tour van because Riley, they came through Columbus and Riley invited me out. And it's like, that's crazy. Right, um, right. And it's also really validating because I know that, you know, people in that category, people that, like, you know, when I was 16, 17, listening to Taken, I, I, I just, it didn't occur to me that uh, 12 years later I'd be on your podcast. Right, right. Um, and it's incredibly validating. Yeah, that brings it all, like, sort of full circle, where it's just like, 
And, and something that's been striking me, you know, in respect to like getting older, the idea that uh, like, you know, these people like using a random person, like, okay, um, Matt Pryor, the singer of the Get Up Kids. Like when I went to see them, you know, when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, the band seemed so old, like, and not in like, a, oh, those are old guys, but just in like, oh, they're so much older than me. You know, now that I'm older where I'm like, oh, he's like four years older than me. And it's like these, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. These, these divides where it's just like, you know, I'm sure because it's like, like you said, you know, you're 16, 17 watching Taken play and like I'm 20 or 21. And it was just like, yeah. oh, yeah, Ray is so much older than me. But it's like now yeah. as you get older, that age gap is just like, oh, yeah, like that doesn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, the older you get, the more everyone's just kind of your same age. <laughs> right. uh, it's so weird. It, it, like I've I've ran into people that are like in their forties and fifties, and it's like oh, they're whatever. We're probably the same age. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it becomes. I think what happens is as you get older, it becomes less about the the number that the person has, and more just about uh, their level of maturity mm-hmm. that you identify you identify more with that. And I'm not saying that I'm a more mature person. I'm just saying that I. Like, there are people that I've met that are, like, in their 50s, either they're at my level of maturity or I'm at their level of maturity. And it's just more, like, that's how you reach out and connect with people um, rather than just that. I think it comes from school of saying that you can only associate with people that are your same age. And you just kind of lose that because you realize it's meaningless. Sure. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, Two last things I want to hit on before I let you go. How do your parents react to the music that you obviously create? Um, Because obviously it's one of those things just because you don't do it as a profession. You don't have to have that difficult conversation with them where it's like, hey, mom and dad, I'm not going to go to school because I'm going to tour forever. So you don't have to have that discussion. So I'm sure it's easier for them to kind of like take in this sort of, you know, quote unquote, side project hobby thing. Um, yeah. you know, how do they, how do they react to it? Is it one of those things like, Oh, that's cute that Ben's doing that still? Uh, no, I mean, my mom is like super fan. Nice. Like she came, uh, they just came a couple of weeks ago, a couple weekends ago. She was like, so show me the new album that you're working on. Like, I'm, I, you know, I really <laughs> want to hear it. Yeah. So I sat down and played her like half of, she's like, Oh, she's so into it. And she's like, well, I'm going to have to listen to it like 10 or 15 times before I start to understand it. But I, it's really, I really like it so far. And my dad, I know they both listen to it. Uh, mm. My dad, like when we, when we were out walking the dog, my dad just wearing cloud kicker shirts. Seems like all he has now are cloud kicker shirts. Those are both incredibly supportive. I mean, at the same time, you're right. It's not something that I'm trying to pull off for my career. So there's not any of that. Like I have my career and then I have the music. And I think they just think it's amazing that right now you're able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's so great that you're continuing to, to you know, pursue both of your passions um, and being validated in both of them. And yeah. In a way that I, you know, with music, I don't know that it would have been possible to do what I'm doing even 15 years ago. Oh no, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, you didn't have the infrastructure to do that. You know, we we, we were talking before we obviously started recording, but the uh, you know the idea that you obviously keep your your two lives separate in regards to uh, you know he, like this is my personal life, this is what I do, you know as my breadwinning experience as far as making a career out of it. Um, and then obviously yeah. like what you do from a musical perspective, you know, now that you're obviously married, your life is becoming a, a more whole from a perspective of like, okay, like this is you know th- these worlds are all kind of separate into separate into their own different categories. As you, you know, as you continually navigate that, does it become, I guess, less confusing, more confusing? Are you constantly at odds with yourself in your own head in regards to, okay, like, you know, I, I, I want to keep 
I want to keep this for myself, or I, I need to keep this for my music? I know it's a complicated question, but <laughs> just to kind of your, no, your, your mental status. I, I think I know what you're getting at. The, the divide for me is a naturally occurring one. My chosen career is it's not creative. It's not, I mean, not in the way that music is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very uh, left-brained. And when I, when I go to work, I engage in it fully, but at no point does it feel like how it feels when I engage in music. So then when I come home and work on music, it's like working out a totally different part of your body. So for me, it's, it's a natural division. There's no real tie-in between the two. It seems effortless on my part just to, as long as I just do them the way I've always been doing you know, my career and music. They don't really meet in any place, so I don't find any mental acrobatics involved in keeping them separate. And it's not even that they're separate, like I'm hiding one from the other. It's just that they're separate things. They don't they don't mix, and that's just their natural state. I had the uh, privilege of recently watching the Descendants documentary, and you know it's 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 pretty out there and commonly known that the vocalist Milo. He's, um, you know, like a, a physicist or he, he's involved in some sort of scientific field where it's like, you know, he's a professor um, and it's like descendants operate on this level where it's like he, he, you know, he's never wanted that as his career. So it's like, you know, yeah, OK, descendants who are like one of the most, you know, they're like a building block on everything that has come since, you know, Blink-182 yeah. would not exist if descendants didn't happen. But in, in hearing his view of like. Oh yeah, you know, we descendants will do these things, but then, you know, ultimately I want to go back to this because this is what I really enjoy as well. You know, to any anybody on the outside that doesn't like have the ability to have that sort of uh perspective where it's like, dude, you're in a fucking huge band. Why don't you like tour all the time? And it's like just to hear him kind of express that, yeah, like I like this. And it's like, you know, no one will ask him questions about his scientific profession because honestly no one gives a shit about it like from a music pers- <laughs> you know no one from a music perspective no one's going to be like hey so what are you yeah. working on with that yeah and so it's just interesting because it's like obviously you're you know you're of the same uh, mindset where it's like they're two completely separate entities and i will they both exist in their own playing fields in my head and like that's that's it and that's you know like you said liberating in a way yeah Last question to kind of wrap things up. What, what does your wife think about the, the music that you create? And is she, uh, you know, she's obviously on board for you being this, uh, you know, this creative individual joined up with you in the holy matrimony? Well, yeah, obviously she she knew what she was signing up for. <laughs> right, um, right. Incredibly supportive. I mean, that, that's not, I don't really even feel like it's the right word because she's just there. I, I mean, she's there in everything. When I was still trying to do the shipping thing myself before it got just so out of hand that I had to, I felt like I had no choice but to involve a third party. Like, like she was the person that would handle all the shipping. Uh, when I'd go to work, she would package and go to the post office, do all that. And, and that, and she was happy to do it. I never felt like I was burdening her. And she's never, certainly never wanted me to feel like she's being burdened by the fact that, um, you know, I do this. Right. And to be honest, I think it's fairly transparent. You know, obviously, like when I'm at the point I am now where I'm spending a lot of time kind of wrapping things up on new music, uh, it can, it's a little more time consuming, but that's not all the time. And we both have the perspective to understand that. I honestly think that it doesn't really even come up. That's cool, which is nice, and it shouldn't, you know, because you, you always hear about the, uh, and I'm not using you as an example, but you always hear about those weird um, experiences where it's like, you know, a person is doing something creative, and their significant other, um, you know, has uh, some resentment towards that because they're spending more time doing this and that, um, and then that person ends up not pursuing that because of, you know, just to make it easier on the relationship, and then 10 years down the line, they're like, 
I fucking hate you. So sad when that happens. And I think that that probably in the cases where that happens, it's indicative of a, a bigger problem in the relationship, which is kind of outside the scope of my uh, expertise. But right. I know that, it, you know, the music, the, the fact that we have such an understanding about what this provides for me is because of the fact that we have a solid relationship. So you can't really isolate those two things. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm very happy for you, Ben. It's very exciting to uh, continue to uh, listen to your music as you as you put it out and continue to amaze us with all the random shit you put in there. Because <laughs> 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 every musical piece you put out there is so distinctly uh, you know, unique, but also distinctly yourself as well. So it's awesome. I'm glad to be along for the ride. Well, good. I, well, it may interest you to know that it will be more very soon. There you go, everyone. So there's Ben. I was really happy that we got to be able to speak about a lot of stuff that he typically doesn't open up about. I had fun. Hope you had fun. Uh, Tom Richfield is obviously the editor for this episode. He has been doing such a good job and continues to do such a good job. And I shower him with Starbucks gift certificates. So see, that's what happens. When you work for free, you get Starbucks. That's basically the, the equation, I think, in these, uh, these days. Anyways, visit the show website, 100wordspodcast.com propertyofzack.com and uh, my gosh I have so many shows to bring you like I've, I seriously have shows recorded up until November so it's like I've got 10 shows in the bank just waiting to unleash them on you and they are all really fucking awesome I feel like the show is like turning this corner where it's just like man these are really compelling conversations I feel more comfortable in administering these interviews and it's just like I don't know it feels really good those, those creative juices are flowing so join the party stick around listen to all the interviews and uh yeah i'll talk to you next week be safe everybody you smile the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below-market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.